Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Too Tall Stuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Oh, back to the old nickname. Old nickname. Yeah. Too don't have to talk about how much everyone hates you or anything like that. Just no, good stuff today. Don't have it's to The do fact that. that you're too tall. And you also get stuck sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be back after some technical difficulties on Monday. The power went out during the episode. Yeah. With like 10 minutes left. Yeah. Which means we didn't get to save the recording. So we got an error in the recording. Luckily, I was recording the video on my laptop and the laptop has a battery, of course. So when the power shut off, I was able to still have some video, which means I was able to take the audio from the video, although it wasn't. It wasn't quite as good, but it still worked. Strapulate. Yeah. 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 And we didn't end the show. So if you listen to it, it just, it just ended. It just cuts off. <laughs> just That's done. It. And I was like, you know what? If they made it 50 minutes into the show, then That's, they like it enough to come back for another one. It's fine. That's what they get. That's yeah. what you get. That's what you get for listening to a whole show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. So if you want to get in on the live chat happening via Discord right now, then you want to go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com and join for, for as little as five bucks a month. Listen. Today's a doozy, by the way. We have, the, uh, we have a clip from Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan talking about capitalism. So mm-hmm. we're going to break that mm-hmm. down a little bit. Um, we have some monoclonal antibody treatment sites being shut down thanks to the FDA. We're going to talk about that. Um, and then we also have so many studies that Nate has <laughs> painstakingly, he got his science degree this I morning. did, today. Yeah. We'll and, talk about it here in a bit, but I had then to... then he was able to cipher through the peer-reviewed studies. I actually did the thing today where I read the study, and then I looked down at the resources at the bottom, and then I w- clicked on those studies, and I read those, and I saw the cited studies at the bottom that, of that one. before that, he laid out his mat and pointed himself towards Washington, D.C., and mm-hmm. said a prayer to... Science. Science. Yeah. Fauci. To science. Yeah. I'm sure Fauci, he always hears you. I mean... He, he knows. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Is he Santa Claus? or He is knows he a, if you've okay. got the jab or not. <laughs> so get the jab for goodness sake. All right. Let's, uh, let's go through this clip from the Joe Rogan podcast from yesterday. Dr. Jordan B. Peterson was on there. And early on in the hey, episode. First, though, a lot of kudos to your hair. Looking oh. great. Yeah. They, I figured you should want to know that. They, um, they took off more than what I was planning, but it's fine. But you look. I'm, I'm yeah, gonna make the best of great. it. Thank you. Yeah, I you look good. My hair has stopped falling out, and and so that's good. 
Yeah. And even some of it is growing back. So those are those are good things. Costco says that I need some work. <laughs> I'm starting to kind of feel bad for you a little bit, but uh, don't. You deserve it. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Don't feel bad for me. <laughs> okay, so I this, don't even feel bad for me. This clip on the Rogan podcast, it was uh, him and Peterson talking about capitalism. They start talking about Apple in China and going on about what they are paying their workers in china rogan had some solutions for this and we're going to talk about this because this is a narrative that we've been hearing for quite a long time and i did some digging on it and it seems like the narrative is slightly outdated and rogan he's really great at a lot of things but he he didn't quite think this one all the way through we'll we'll play the clip it's about five minutes long but the good thing is i think the whole thing and and Peterson's response afterwards, and then we'll talk about it. Or you want to stop during the video and talk about I'm it? I'm sure we'll probably stop it. Okay. Yeah, we'll take a few clips and stop it, I'm guessing. But I didn't realize that Jordan Peterson was wearing a tux mm-hmm. on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, and his pants, by the way, like barely went below his knees. I saw a picture of him standing up with Rogan in his tux pants, like barely went below. He was wearing like tux capri pants. Did he have stockings on underneath? I don't know what was going with on. Pilgrim shoes? Yeah, he was dressed to impress yesterday. Dressed um, to the tins. Personal. That's what they say, right? Personal comments on the uh, interview, if you haven't seen it yet. It was my least favorite one so far, but these days it's like watching sequels to a movie. You kind of want it to be as good as the first one, and it just never quite is. But um, Peterson had a hard time allowing Rogan to finish his sentences yesterday, which is one thing that really started to bother me, and I could hear Rogan getting a little bit antsy about it as well, trying to finish his comments. I'm not used to that from Peterson, and uh, that was that's my only that's my only thing from yesterday's episode. He was a little on edge. I also think Rogan does a good job of asking questions in a way that it seems like he's trying to understand and learn, mm-hmm. even though he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he at least is like, well, what? Why can't we just do this? You know, mm-hmm. like help me out, like help me understand. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's really good. All right, here we go. Funny, it was now, so funny. Capitalism. Yeah, here's. When, when people start talking about capitalism, mm-hmm. and we talk about capitalism uplifting poor people, mm-hmm. one of the issues that a lot of people have in this country is when you ship jobs overseas and you ship companies, start manufacturing things overseas for essentially pennies on the dollar. Yeah. I mean, this is like, the, it's, it's one of the great contradictions right. to the progressives in America that they complain about capitalism on a fucking iPhone. Mm-hmm. Because if right. you knew where that iPhone was, if you went down to the factory where that iPhone was manufactured, you'd be heartbroken. If you went further to where the minerals are dug out of the ground in the Congo, you'd be devastated. Mm-hmm. Like That's the reality of capitalism. That's the reality of sending jobs overseas. The cure to that is a more even distribution of wealth within the company, meaning that the company would have to, and I'm not picking on Apple like any company, name them. They would have to pay the people that work there a, a decent living wage with great uh, benefits and health insurance and dental and all the stuff that people want and need in order to feel secure and safe. Give them a great working environment. Don't overwork them. And now how much money do you have? Because the amount of money that Apple has put aside, and obviously I'm an Apple fan. I have an Mm -hmm. Apple phone right here. I'm not picking on Apple. But they are one of the richest companies that's ever existed on the face of planet Earth. But how are they doing that? 
one of the ways they're doing that is by paying people very little to make their products that they sell for a, a giant amount of money. Yeah. So what well, what's the solution to okay, that? Okay. Well, let's take, is the solution to yeah. pay people a fair amount. And if you do that, is the solution to pay people a fair amount in another country? Or is a solution to pay people a fair amount here where we can regulate it? Because we do manufacture some things here, but we manufacture way less than we used to because it costs too much money to do so. But that word too much or that phrase too much is bullshit. It's not that it costs too much. It's just that it costs more and they don't want to pay it. They would rather just reap in profits. And the way they do that is on the backs of poor people. Yeah, well, now, we if can, you do that on talk, the backs of poor people... We can take that apart a bit. Right. And so, but here's yep, my question. Yep, yep, if you really yep. wanted to make these other countries, like third world countries, and raise them up and yep. really increase the economy, what you would do is pay people in third world countries where you have these plants the same amount that you would have to pay them in America. Then you'd have a complete change in those environments. Okay, so we can take that apart a bunch of ways. I mean, okay, so we can stop right there for a minute. I think that's a good good spot to talk about it for a second. And I think Peterson's response might be similar. Well, there might be some correlation maybe in the response, but the you know because the first thing I would I would ask is um, compared to what, mm-hmm. and I think that's the important question. Is this is where we get lost? in trying to understand the world today comparing it to different time frames okay so remember china or Cong- the congo wherever what these people's lives were like before remember what americans lives were before 150 years ago all of human history we have struggled to survive let alone prosper um the majority, 99% of Amer- of human history, has been a struggle to just literally survive. It's probably more than 99%, probably, actually. Yeah, yeah, probably more, but at least yeah. 99%. It's just now, by the way, in the last 100 years that we have the life that we do today. The fact that you have an iPhone that sends a signal to space the bounce off a satellite and come back to you and you can instant message people pretty much. You can instantly communicate with anybody around the world. Um, so the, the advancements that we have are relatively, well, they're not relatively, they are new. They're brand new. Literally. We have no idea of what, what kind of technology and advancements that we have. And so com- I always ask the question compared to what the other compared to what to ask is, um, what jobs would those people have if, say, the Apple factory was not located there in China? That's so, another question. So their working what conditions is, are terrible compared to what? What's the alternative? Yeah. So if Apple leaves and they have factories just in the U.S., then what are the conditions for the people that work at those factories then after that? Is it automatically better afterwards? Do other companies magically move in there? and pay people more money or whatever. <laughs> and we'll talk about the money thing here in a here in a second because it's not as bad as what people think it is. I've been diving really deeply in, into this today. Uh, and then there's just a general thing that he does that's wrong, which is saying that basically Apple should pay the factory workers in China the same thing that they would have to pay people here in the U.S., which, by the way, would make those people the richest people in China. If they were getting paid the same that they would be getting paid to ma- uh, to manufacture things in the U.S. Well, and then Apple would just move the factory yeah, to the U.S. It wouldn't matter. That's the thing. Like there is an advantage to having uh, those factories there because they do save on the labor. Some there's other things to them being located in China that help them out 
as well because a lot of the uh, materials for the iPhones are already over there. So one thing they also have to factor in is if they had the factories in the U.S., then they would have to ship all of the materials that they need into the U.S. to be able to build everything. And instead, they can make the things in China and not have to ship them overseas to actually manufacture everything. China's also got a lot of uh, engineers and people that are very technically skilled. And every year, I think the number is more than the, the total amount that's in the U.S. And so it's, um, you know, there's a lot of different parts of this. He says that the, because they're paying them pennies on the dollar compared to what people would make in the U.S., they're able to reap in all of these massive profits. And that's also not the case either. The cost for manufacturing the iPhone per device is a, about 50 cents for the for the labor side of things. And then all the material sides add in a few hundred more dollars on top of that. But you got about 50 cents per device for the labor. And so that's not the thing that they're, if they raise that up to a dollar or a dollar 50 per device, you're not going to see all of Apple's profits just disappear after that. That's not going to be a massive change. We have to talk about these pay scales relative to the standards of living in the countries and the buying power that that, that, those pay, that, that pay has. And so one thing I have here uh, on the screen already, you'll have to excuse us today because we're getting in the weeds on a couple topics, like deep in the weeds on a couple topics. So uh, we'll, I'm gonna, we'll try to take our time going through this. The starting wage for an iPhone worker in China is $3.15 per hour which this is from Investopedia. Uh, they compare that to the minimum wage in the U.S., which is $7.25 per hour. And so I saw several other articles today talking about how low the pay is compared to what people in the U.S. make and all that. And, and it's easy to look at those two things and say, well, obviously the people in China are getting hosed. They're obviously just there so they can take advantage of people. And so, so they can and just reap those massive profits off of people. But when we dig a little bit further into the details, that's not the case. He also says that they're worth all of this money because they've been able to manufacture the iPhones for pennies on the dollar. We talked about that a second ago. That's not really quite the case either. Apple's worth, they got up to $2 trillion not long ago. They're probably not up there anymore. This is their profits. This is since 2005. And by the way, all these numbers, this is their net profits what they come up with and all those numbers since 2005, I realized that realized they've been a company for a long time, but this was the most uh, recently available data. All of those numbers add up to about $568 billion in net profits since 2005. Now that's a lot of money. It's quite a bit, but they're worth almost $2 trillion. And so how does that happen? That happens because the valuation of the company is not based on the money that they're bringing in. It's partly based on the money that they're bringing in. But if that were solely the case, then you wouldn't have thousands of companies in the stock exchange that are worth billions of dollars that, are, that have never made any money before. The value of the company is what people are willing to pay per share for the company. And sometimes it's correlated to the earnings that they're making. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it isn't. And so you can't just say that they're worth $2 trillion because they've been able to reap all of these benefits off of the people that are working in China. Those, uh, those dogs don't float. When you look at it, let me see what else we got in here. So we mentioned they were getting three fifteen an hour for the workers there. That comes out to about 20, 
Wan, right? Wan, Chinese Wan, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so the the average pay, by the way, let's see, Beijing, the the minimum wage right there is around twenty four. Uh, you go down to some of these other ones, Henan, nineteen uh, is the top, fifteen is the minimum. You keep going down the list, and actually you go down to where one of their biggest factories is located in here. Let me see where it is. I don't remember. It goes down to twelve, down to fourteen, and remember they're remember they're around twenty uh, per hour is where they're at. So they're actually doing pretty good. You can't really compare them to Beijing and Shanghai because those are the biggest cities. And and you look at what people make in New York and LA compared to what people make in Nashville. And you can understand that you can't just compare to what people are making in the biggest cities. And so that's another thing. And then we were talking about what the, uh, the, the buying power is. So I compared uh, Zing, Zing Zhao, which is where one of their biggest factory cities is uh, like an apple city over there to nashville nashville is not the cheapest city in the world but it's a lot cheaper than a lot of other than a lot of other big cities but this uh zingzhou city over there is is not a real big not a real big place it's mainly because apple is there from what i can understand and charlie when you look at these differences in the standard in the cost of living over here look at the difference compared to nashville Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's pretty big. So, like a meal, you got a seventy-six percent lower, at, in that city in China. They got beer on here. That's super important. Uh, that's uh, let me see. The the beer is fifty percent lower. Coke or Pepsi, sixty-seven percent lower. Water, seventy-eight percent lower in these places in China. So, when you look at these, the important part that you got to remember is. When we look at their 315 per hour and say, whoa, they're making less than half of the minimum wage in the United States, they're, they're getting hosed over here. But then you look at the differences. Now, from what I can tell, the Chinese are getting hosed on milk. Definitely getting hosed on the milk. It's 114% more than Nashville, but then everything else is less. Rice, 75%. You know, they get some good rice discounts over there. Local cheese is more expensive. That's the other only two things that are more expensive there: cheese and milk. I wonder if those are correlated. At so they're all. not making many charcuterie boards over there. <laughs> Chicken fillets seventy percent. Uh, let me see. Uh, apples fifty percent lower. Oranges seventy percent lower. Tomato eighty five percent lower. Bats. <laughs> <laughs> those come free. Uh, let's see. Local transport eighty four eighty five percent lower. Uh, taxi 70 80 percent lower gas is more expensive there all right so we got one that's more expensive cars are more expensive cars are more expensive well the toyota corolla is more expensive the volkswagen golf is uh is less when you look at that electricity 75 percent cheaper let's see prepaid mobile 76 percent internet 85 percent cheaper your fitness clubs over there 23 percent but if you want to rent a tennis court, I'm sorry to tell you, there's 66, 66% higher to rent a tennis court in, uh, in this city in China. Uh, preschool, so childcare, 73% lower, 74% lower for international primary school. Uh, apartment, 80% lower to 85% lower. Anyway, as you go through here, the point that we're trying to make is that you can't just simply talk about what the people are making per hour and say that they're getting taken advantage of compared to what people in the United States are making. It's not an accurate comparison. Right. 
at all. What you get paid actually doesn't matter. What's the purchasing power? Yeah. Like if I paid Nate the same amount of money in the face value of gold coins, his purchasing power would be much higher and mm. my labor costs would be much higher <laughs> yeah. than the dollar amount because what you have to factor in a purchasing power of that uh, means of exchange. Okay. Well, it's like if you compared New York and Nashville and you said, well, um, uh, a family members making $90,000 a year in Nashville, they could be making $200,000 a year in New York. And you say, well, in Nashville, they're getting screwed. The same company's paying people less than half the amount in Nashville. But then what are all the cost of living expenses here in Nashville? They're just not accurate comparisons. So anyway, I just wanted to I just the, wanted to point that out. The other thing I want to say too is that it's not a this isn't a product of capitalism by the way. Do you think that there won't be any minors in in socialism or communism? You or, mean like underage people or people like mining for rare mining min for okay. minerals to no, produce I things okay. like I making sure. Do you think the you know the USSR didn't have uh, people mining for uh, iron and uh, making cars and in factories working or anything like that. Yeah, but they got free food once a month. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit of free food. Yeah, and just so a this isn't this isn't a product of capitalism. Like we people, we need to make stuff, mm -hmm. right? This is what Elon Musk talked about on the Joe Rogan show. Not that, or actually, no, it was yeah, it was on the the Rogan podcast not that long ago uh, when he was talking about getting back to work with from coronavirus. It's like we. People have to make stuff, regardless of what system you're in. And the alternative, uh, we know what the alternative is uh, for for at least people in China, which was starving to death in the fields. Mm -hmm. Right before any sort of capitalism made its way over to China, the plight of the Chinese people was death and starvation. It's pretty bad. It was real bad. Yeah, really bad. They lost hundreds of millions of people. Were starving to death. Um, and so you, this, you have to draw the, the comparisons. Okay. Like, what are we comparing it to? Because that matters, that variable matters. And then would this exist in any other type of system? The answer is yes. And the thing we have to compare is, is capitalism the best system we have so far at producing the most amount of stuff and wealth for the most amount of people, the most efficient way possible. And so far that answer is Yes. Well, uh, and, and who are we to sit here and judge, you know, someone else and what they decide to do with their life over there? Because I guarantee you, people are lining up to work at the factory because it's a much better job than starving to death in the, in the rice fields. What they're saying is if I were the economic planner, then I would be doing a better job than everyone else. You know, that's that's how they feel. Let's play Peterson's response a minute of that real quick. He actually had a good defense of capitalism or a good definition of what capitalism was. So we'll we'll play that real quick and then we'll get on to the uh, the other thing, which is the 143 medical studies I read today so we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that part of the advantage to manufacturing things where wages are relatively low is you give those countries a competitive advantage so p part of the reason that there aren't millions of people starving in china is because even the chinese communists wake woke up enough to realize that if they opened up their economies that free market free market is nothing different than allowing unrestricted choice among consumers in some sense. So when we're talking about the free market, we should be careful about what we're talking about. It's like you get to have choice about what you buy. That's the central spirit of free market capitalism. Uh, 
exporting those jobs stop the Chinese, a huge proportion of the Chinese, from living in absolute privation and likely decrease the probability of like a broad scale war. So, and then it also brought the Chinese into the economy, which is a big deal. The Chinese produce more engineers every year than the Americans have engineers. And so now we've unlocked an unbelievable amount of brain power. And that's produced an insane technological revolution. Now, I think it's unfortunate that a lot of that was done on the backs of the American working class. And I think that the Democrats abandoning the working class when they were in that state of privation was a catastrophe of, of public policy. And also part of the reason why Trump got elected. But it isn't obvious to me that exporting those jobs was was a bad long-term decision. Because, well, you want a world where 20 million Chinese are starving? That's not good. By any measure, right? But I mean, is that the only way that they don't starve? The only way they don't starve is if iPhones are manufactured there for pennies on the dollar? Yes. Really? Well, there no other solutions ever worked. But that doesn't mean they can't work. If, yeah, if they it work might. in America, it might? Well, really? the, so, well, I don't know, Joe, because you either... That's a, look, that's a good question, you know, but for me, the problem with utopian theories is that they're hypothetical. So I like to look at what's actually worked and what. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that so we can get on to the next one because uh, we just got like 15, 20 minutes here that we can uh, spend going into the next one and the next one is well, I think that's pretty a, complicated that's as well. a great discussion because mm -hmm. it gets brought up all the time like oh yeah. slave labor and mm -hmm. all this stuff it's like well you know they were starving to death beforehand and that's what Peterson was getting into it's like okay take away the hypothetical utopias what has actually worked and what has not worked we've tried all sorts of things as human beings the experiments the data are in right and so this is a much better life now albeit i want their lives to be better i hope all the chinese become rich millionaires you know through through working that process and i think i think eventually they can get there i think a lot of people can get there but this is the process of human beings striving to advance themselves at one point in america we were making 21 an hour too yeah. Um, Joe Bizalak also made a good point. Something that drove me nuts on the episode yesterday was uh, Rogan used the example of Detroit as a great example of how to pay people properly. And so the question would be, how did that work out for everyone? Yeah. What's Detroit look like right now? It's probably the greatest city in the United States. Yeah. The the unions came in, the UAW came in, the, the city came in, they kept raising all of the all of the wages for everyone and they basically made it impossible to continue those factories where they were they had to go elsewhere and so it works until it doesn't you know venezuela looked great there for a couple of years and then it didn't anymore and so we have to consider things more than even a 10-year span of time we can't just look at that and say oh look detroit looked great for 10 15 years when when everyone started buying cars and they were making them there and they were getting paid well, how did it actually end up? We've got the data on that. We know how it ended up. So it's not a good example. The example doesn't make any sense Yeah, and if, whatsoever. You, and if you force artificial labor, then all you're doing is forcing artificial prices to consumer. You're just hurting consumers. Yeah. You know, because the iPhone that's $1,000 won't, if they w raise the wages of everyone, it's not going to stay $1,000, by yeah. the way. It's going to go up. Now, it may not 
you know, double or whatever, but, um, you know, the, the Apple may eat some of the profit, but they're not going to eat all of it guaranteed. All right, Charlie, read this uh, next article here and I'll come in with a couple studies. All right. From Fox news, Florida shuts down monoclonal antibody treatment sites after FDA sets new limits. The Florida department of health announced it is closing all monoclonal antibody treatment sites by the way it works <laughs> in the state after the U FDA rescinded its emergency youth authorizations for two particular treatments for COVID-19. The FDA announced on Monday that is no longer permitting the use of a couple crazy words. It's Regeneron and Eli Lilly's uh, monoclonal antibodies, Okay, which we can just call MABs from now on. And so they're <laughs> abbreviated. Yeah. Regen, Regen Cove or Regeneron. The FDA said that since data showed those uh, these treatments are highly unlikely to be active against the Omicron variant, and because Omicron is believed to be to count for more for, account for more than ninety nine percent of COVID, current COVID nineteen cases, the treatments are no longer authorized. It explained that this was meant to prevent side effects from treatments they do not believe will work. Florida Deputy Secretary, and it's just amazing how they can be like. Well, yeah, we don't know if it actually works, and so we're not going to allow you to try it. Yeah, they make the decisions based on efficacy. That's a, two things that the FDA considers, and uh, if the efficacy is not enough to outweigh the side effects, then they they can not approve something that's had a emergency use authorization, so they can come in and do that. But um, we'll we'll get to some of the data on whether or not it works here in a second. So the Florida Deputy Secretary for Health, Kenneth Shepke, went on the record saying that the state disagrees with the FDA's decision, particularly regarding Regeneron, noting that it has not been supported by any clinical evidence provided by the FDA. One doctor says the government's massive miscalculation will cost life cost lives quote. I am as angry as I possibly can be about this. Dr. Ron Elfenbein, the medical director and CEO of first call medical center in Maryland told Fox news digital on Wednesday, the fact that these people are so adamant that they're right when they're using faulty data and they're using faulty logic and frankly, statistical modeling that has never been correct ever throughout this entire pandemic to look at this is just beyond the pale. People are definitely going to die because of this or need hospitalization because health officials misread the statistics. So this is, yeah. And this is what we've been saying the whole time. You know, it's like the, the decisions they're making isn't lining up with what the actual data suggests. Yeah, they've got data here, but there's a, re, there's a, there's a problem with the data that I ended up figuring out today. So, so that's, the, that's what we'll talk about. DeSantis, Ron DeSantis isn't, isn't, up, isn't happy about this. He's yeah. upset about it. DeSantis says, uh, quote, without a shred of clinical data to support this action, Biden has forced trained medical professionals to choose between treating their patients or breaking the law. This indefensible edict makes treatment out, uh, takes treatment out of the hands of medical professionals and will cost some Americans their lives. There are real-world implications to Biden's medical authoritarianism. Americans' access to treatments is now subject to the whims of a failing president. I like how he threw that in there. He's getting try to throw mm -hmm. in some, some Trump-type stuff in there. The Health and Human Services Department pushed back with a spokesperson claiming that DeSantis is, quote, more interested in promoting medicines that don't work than urging people to take vaccines that do. Which, by the way, against Omicron, they don't. Yeah, that's a that's a problem here, <laughs> because if you're deciding that they don't work against Omicron, so you're going to take them off the market, then what are we doing with the vaccines? Right. Here? 
They don't know? work against Omicron either. And interesting thing I was telling Charlie earlier. Now, I, I search this term probably once a week at least. Vaccine effectiveness against COVID or vaccine effectiveness against Omicron. Last week, we started finding out that the, and the weeks before, we started finding out that the vaccine was not preventing infections, that people could still get infected, they could still spread it, and that's what all the news articles were saying. And so this is just blowing everyone's minds. And so everyone who's out there blaming all the unvaccinated people and saying that they can't go out in public and doing all this, uh, then obviously you start to have a really good argument against their narrative. And so today, when I Googled uh, the vaccine effectiveness against Omicron. It's all talking about how effective the vaccines are against Omicron. All the search results, like they just got a big news story push they had to put out in the last day or two about how effective they are. Now, how, what do they mean? It's effective at preventing severe illness and death. So they now shifted from talking about effectiveness in stopping infection because it has none and saying that it's, that it's effective at preventing severe illness and death. So now that they are able to print article headlines talking about how effective the vaccines are against Omicron. Mm, Yeah. Once again. So in response to that, DeSantis press secretary slammed HHS for mischaracterizing the situation. Just slam. (laughs) Quote, why doesn't the HHS spokesperson understand that the majority of patients seeking monoclonal antibody treatment, like the majority of uh, Floridians, are vaccinated, she tweeted. So that's a big point there because... tweet slam. It was a tweet. Man, that was a a hot tweet right there. Let me tell you what. One thing that people are saying is that monoclonal antibodies are for people who are anti-vaxxers or against the vaccine. And what they're pointing out is that actually the majority of people that are getting the monoclonal antibodies are people who are vaccinated that are having breakthrough cases. The spokesperson for the Florida Department of Health uh, later on tweeted, went on, that on a scheduled call, HHS recognized that an oral treatment from Merck was not effective against the coronavirus after the government had authorized it and arranged for distribution to states. That authorization remains in effect. Mm. So they didn't cancel that one, even That's though weird. they admitted that it's not effective against the coronavirus. Now on to class with Nate. All right. So I went into this study. I've been trying to find what the study was that they made this decision based off of. And it was actually kind of tough to find, but I, I found the... I found the study from Nature Medicine, and this is the one that they're talking about with the monoclonal antibodies. I'm going to call them MABs from now on because they abbreviate, abbreviate it M-A-B-S. So I'm going to call them MABs so I can save time. Although, By the way, this was after you had said your prayer to Fauci, you mm-hmm. were blessed yes. with the vaccine water. Yes, but now I've knowingly sinned against science once again, so I don't know if those prayers are going to matter or not. I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness or repent later on yeah. and see if Fauci will, will accept my forgiveness or not. Probably so, not. So according no. to the latest emails, he's trying to... Fauci's like out. an Old Testament kind of God, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to sacrifice some anti-vaxxers to get back on his side. You can't... <laughs> You can't be just reborn <laughs> no. through grace. <laughs> you know? yeah. Okay. You can get saved, though, by going to your local clinic and getting one of the vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> Baptism by vax. Is a, vaxism is a, actually what it's called. With a small donation. Okay. So this study by right way, here. Real quick. Have you seen the latest episodes of Righteous Gemstones? Yeah. My yeah, God. This show is so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's the craziest show I've ever seen. 
Oh, that must be fun to write. I know. You know, just to sit in a room with Danny Powers. He's good. It's so good. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I felt so much anxiety during that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's almost like I felt shame. By the way, kids, earmuffs. For the characters. Earmuffs, kids. The amount of penises on that show is uh, is alarming. Really? Yeah. I don't know if you're like actually watching when you're watching it. But I've seen a good five to ten penises on that show. Just out in the open. Just right on out there. I don't remember that. It's not normal. You know, you're not used to seeing that. I don't remember that. But anyway, it just kind of a, just a little observation that my wife made the other night. <laughs> okay, so in this study... I'm they, sure she did. They, they, <laughs> she loves the show. They tested individual MABs and combinations of MABs that target the RBD. Uh, in the cells. However, when tested alone, they go on to say that basically Regeneron and Eli Lilly's MABs completely lost neutralizing activity against Omicron with little inhibitory capacity, even at the highest concentration tested. Analysis of the MAB combinations currently in clinical use showed that Regeneron and Eli Lilly lost all neutralizing activity against Omicron, whereas uh, a couple other ones here still had a 12-fold reduction in uh, inhibitory activity. So I went into the study, just so you know, I went into the study thinking, man, I'm going to read this study and it's going to be BS. And then I started to read the study and I was like, actually, you know, maybe people are just getting upset over nothing right now because the study's actually showing that the uh, it's not very effective against Omicron, at least. So maybe it's not quite the conspiracy that everyone's making it out to be. For instance, you can you were look ready at, to come on the show and talk about how you, you were wrong, maybe? I was. Yeah. That, yeah. I was going to talk then, about going into things and, and being honest and seeking the truth mm-hmm. and being willing to be wrong about things. And that's what I, what I was going to talk about today. And then you found the truth. And I kept studying. I kept reading the study. Yeah. That's the thing about studies is they keep going. And then they get those limitations at the end of the study, which is always something good to look into. These are the charts, by the way. You look at Regeneron over here for anyone watching. Uh, this is against the previous variants right here. All right. So there's, there's what happens to your strain, your COVID strains. And then this is what happens up here with Omicron. You see it's not taking care of it. Some of them are still. Some of them are still right around over here. And some of them are not. And those are the ones that they pointed out. In the study. So once I read through that, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I at least can kind of get that. But then I got down to the limitations of the study. We, okay, let's, uh, let's get down to those. We note several limitations of our study. Our experiments focused on the effect of the extensive sequence changes in the Omicron spike protein, neutral, neutralization, and cell culture. Despite observing differences in neutralizing activity with certain MABs, it remains to be determined how this finding translates into effects on clinical protection against Omicron. So the study itself is saying that we found this to be the case in cell cultures, uh, but they don't know how that's actually going to translate into uh, people cultures, (laughs) basically. We'll talk about those definitions here in a second. Although virus neutralization is is a correlate of immune protection, against SARS-CoV-2. This measurement does not account for the FC effector functions if antibodies residually bind Omicron spike proteins on the surface of infected cells. They're basically talking about some things that studying the human body are going to be different than when you're studying these cell cultures in the lab are the limitations that they're pointing out. Our data derived from experiments with some of these cell cultures, although these cells standardly are used to measure antibody neutralization, 
Primary cells targeted in vivo can express unique sets of attachment and entry factors, which would affect receptor and entry blockade by specific antibodies. Indeed, previous studies have reported that the cell line used can affect the potency of antibody neutralization against different SARS-CoV-2 variants. So the, I read that and I was like, what the actual F does all that mean? You know, what, what is all that stuff? There's a lot of words going on right there. And so a, a couple definitions here. In vitro, basically, they're doing a study or experiment, which is done in a lab outside of the body. So in the test tube, you know, your petri little, dish. little petri dishes out there. In vivo means that they're doing an actual medical test experiment on a person or a living organism, some of your, your mice, stuff like that. So that's the difference. So what they're essentially saying in the limitations is that they studied in vitro but that that might not necessarily carry over to in vivo, what would actually happen inside the body. They talk about this FC receptor. FC receptor is a protein found on the surface of certain cells. They go through some of the cells that contribute to the protective functions of the immune system. The name is derived from its binding specificity for a part of the antibody known as FC region. FC receptors bind to antibodies that are attached to infected cells or invading pathogens. And so basically this is important for your immune system doing stuff. Okay, that's something that your, uh, that your cells actually go through and do. So then I clicked on other studies that were cited in these limitations where they talk about how there might be some problems here. All right, so this is the antibody potency effector function. So this is that uh, FC effector function. And, and, By the way, uh, all of this is getting banned on YouTube. Yeah, the whole thing. We can't put this out on YouTube. Studies. All right, so uh, let's see. Antibody potency effector function and combinations and protection and therapy for SARS-CoV-2 in vivo. Comparison of the mean viral lung titer and respective uh, one of these things revealed that the in vitro neutralizing activity did not uniformly correlate with in vivo efficacy. Antibody FC effector function contributes to neutralization. This is another study that I found as well. Uh, Loss of FC effector function significantly decreased the potency of what they were studying, 14-fold and 6-fold less potent than their FC effector sufficient counterparts. So the ones that did not have this FC effector were 14-fold and 6-fold less potent than the ones that did. This result uh, suggested that engagement of activating FC receptors can enhance the efficacy of of SARS-CoV-2 antibodies in vivo. Moreover, some antibody combinations can be effective for prevention and early therapy for SARS-CoV-2, even at relatively low doses. Our results indicate the relationship between neutralizing activity against SARS-CoV-2 in vitro and antiviral activity in vivo is not linear. So that's, uh, that's enough of reading all of that stuff. What does all of this stuff tell you, Charlie? It means that studying something in vitro and studying something in vivo is completely different. Yeah. That, yeah. And they're basing all of this data or, or they're basing their decisions on uh, experiments that were conducted in the lab mm-hmm. and not on actual human clinical trials. And the study that they actually used to make that decision pointed out other studies that showed that there was not a correlation between the in vitro and the in vivo when it comes to the monoclonal antibodies, because it's very uh, important that they basically test them on living organisms so they can have those FC receptor cells, stuff like that. So what we're actually finding out is that we don't know. We actually don't have proof that they don't work and we don't know that they don't work, but they're still jumping to this decision anyway, based on one study right here that was done in vitro. And that is why Ron DeSantis was coming out saying that this was based on no data or terrible data, essentially, because from what I can find, 
It is. And that's all I got for you. Yeah. There's your there's your report for today. That was a lot of studying, man. That was a hell of a study session. <laughs> man, I made that study session my anyway. You did. All right, let's go home. <laughs> We're going home. Yeah folks. All right. If you enjoyed today's episode, which I know that you did, I'm sorry I didn't get to nurse explain much. <laughs> I know Costco's really upset about it. Um, but what all this means, folks, is that as we've said from the beginning, we don't actually know. We don't. Except for weirdly, we've it, known. <laughs> it, right. Except, <laughs> except for the things that we've pointed out, which is basically the data that is sufficient that you can actually rely on and base decisions off of uh, the government and media has gone one way and we've gone another. Of course, everyone's going to make fun of me for being vaccinated, but I'll save <laughs> my speech about that for another time. Okay. Okay. Uh, we won't go into that today. We don't have time. But uh, what we said from the beginning is pay attention. Pay attention to all this stuff. Uh, obviously, you don't have to dig, di- dig deep on the studies. We, that's what Nate's for. Um, <laughs> but don't believe what he says. This is all available out there. You can go to the Journal of Experimental Medicine. You can go and look at all these studies and look up the words and what they mean. But it's very interesting as you start to dive into this and the decisions that the government is making and can make is unbelievable. The fact that the FDA can just remove an authorization from companies that are making medicines that save people's lives. And uh, Ron DeSantis said they had to cancel 2,000 appointments the first day. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're doing that is just unbelievable to me. Um, And so those are things that we should be upset about. uh, And it's mainly the government having control. Mm -hmm. Because if it wasn't for the government having control, people would still be able to get this medicine. Or perhaps we would, perhaps we might have an end to COVID, by the way. Mm -hmm. If people were free to study and create medicines uh, for people. So it's a very frustrating Thing. But uh, if you enjoyed it, if you enjoy these types of things, send me a message, Nate, at goodmorningliberty.us. Let us know what you think. Uh, sign up on uh, Locals to be part of the live show so you can make fun of me uh, along with Costco or support me uh, along with uh, folks like Daisy and the rest of the group, honestly. Um, goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast or Spotify now and uh, make sure you hit that follow button if you do all those things we'll be back again tomorrow as long as we have power and (laughs) i hope you guys have a good day and a good morning liberty